Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Grab your Bibles. Last week we, uh, we kicked off this, um, this series called Out of the Cave. And um, we talked about why we needed it. I gave you all of that last week. I'm not going to rehearse that today, but um, they're very real biological contributions to depression, but they're very small and minimal. Uh, We said last week, most science agrees there are nine causes for depression. Only two of the nine are biological or chemical. The other seven are lifestyles. The other seven I've done to myself. Now, I'm not minimizing the, the, the two biological and chemical and if you need help and if there's there's something in your life uh it's not a sin to be sick say amen to that if you got high blood pressure you need to eat less salt and get on medicine say amen and if you and, and sometimes you need medicine but listen to me why don't you let the medicine be a temporary fix and let's fix our lifestyle and live differently so god can deliver us say amen to that everybody amen so If we allow our biology to be the only story and to own the entire picture, then we miss the real solution that God would have created. Are you with me, everybody? So we decided we're not just going to automatically say this is my chemistry. We're going to say, how can God change uh, my life through this? And we're studying uh, the prophet Elijah. You can go back and catch this uh, message. I'll, I'll conclude it next week, just before at the movies. Uh, I'll finish this message. I'm going to give you five ways next week to walk out of the cave. So I took two weeks to give you six ways to get in the, the way that we find ourselves in it. I'm going to give you a one Sunday and five ways to get out of, of the cave next week. I don't want you to miss that. But we've been studying Elijah. And First uh, Kings 18 tells the story of Elijah's probably largest victory in his ministry. Elijah's the major prophet uh, in Israel at the time. There's only one prophet at a time in all of Israel. So you can't church hop. If you don't like Elijah's preaching, you just don't go to church, all right? So there's one guy, there's one preacher in the whole, the whole country. And Elijah is a miracle worker. Actually, his ministry is marked by miracles. But these are the biggest in 1 Kings 18. Elijah uh, is, is uh, standing toe-to-toe to the prophets of Baal, this false god uh, of, of the evil king Ahab and Jezebel. And, um, and there's 850 of his prophets. And if you read this story, I hope that you have been this week in your devotion in 1 Kings 18. Uh, Elijah, um, he, he does, I mean, the prophets of Baal, they go crazy. They're cutting themselves. They're dancing. They take all day long to get their God to do something and to answer. And, and, and Baal, of course, never answers. Elijah pours water three times all over his sacrifice. There's water absolutely everywhere. He prays one time and fire falls out of heaven, consumes the sacrifice, licks up all the water. That's the first major miracle uh, in Elijah or in this in this particular passage. There had been another miracle that Elijah actually does two miracles in one. He had prayed the rain would stop for three years, and it does. There's a, there's a drought for three years. And then immediately after... Uh, he defeats the prophet of Baal. He, he uh, kills all 850 prophets of Baal. Immediately after that, he prays again, and it rains. So he stops the, the drought. So these major spiritual victories, these major miracles, and then one chapter later, 1 Kings 19, after this huge miracles that, uh, and spiritual high that Elijah's on, King uh, Ahab tells his evil, king, uh, his evil queen, wife Jezebel, All that he had done, he had killed these prophets. And Jezebel sends a messenger. She doesn't send an assassin. She just sends a note that says, I'm going to kill you. It's amazing to me 
how little the devil has to rattle my cage to get me rattled. And so she just says, I'm going to kill you. And he gets terrified. He runs for his life. He goes to the edge of the desert. He is depressed. He's suicidal. He just doesn't know what to do. I'm always, uh, it's always fascinating to me how quickly I can go from very high spiritual, God can do anything, to, oh my gosh, this is never going to work. Anybody else but me? Raise your hand if that's you. I, I can walk out of church going, God can do anything. I, I'm singing like Cassie. Never lost. I'm just, I'm. And I get in the car. And Brandy's like, what's wrong? I don't know. I didn't see Reuben and Nancy today. And I'll get down. Are you with me, everybody? It's amazing how I can go from there. It, and, and Elijah goes right into this depression. And we talked about, I think there's six facts. I think he does six of the nine. You may find more. but So I gave you three of them last week. Let me give them to you very quickly. Just in case you weren't here. I don't know why you would have missed. But maybe you were really sick. I'm glad that you're back today. The three of them, if you, if you weren't here, write this down really quickly. Uh, it, it, we said this is a disease of your lifestyle. And if it's a disease of your lifestyle, then you can change your life and fix the disease. Listen, I'm, again, don't. Don't hear what I'm not saying. If there's biology, fix it. But most of it is not biology. It's lifestyle. It's a disease of of my lifestyle. So I'm going to fix my lifestyle. I fix my disease. So number one, we said was life imbalances. That my life is at about... Elijah's depression comes right after these major spiritual victories he had stayed all day long on Mount Carmel. And he is exhausted. I am most depressed and anxious when I'm tired. When I haven't... I'm not at my best when I'm tired. I am vulnerable when I'm tired. You are, t- you are tempted when you are exhausted. There, you gotta, you got to work your schedule. You, you are in charge of your schedule. You are in charge of my time with God. You are in charge. You say, well, no, Pastor, i got a job. Everybody's got a job. Well, no, Pastor, my kid's got school. Everybody's got school. I'm not telling you. Don't, 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 you don't have to get rid of the stuff that you got to do. But I promise you, if you sit down and looked at your checkbook and looked at your calendar, which I tell every single person to do, you don't need to check. There's three things you need to check. The first one is you need to check, the, are they serving? If they're not in planning center, they, you can't date them. Number two, if, if they don't tithe, look at their checkbook. If they don't tithe, they don't trust God. You don't need to... You don't need to date them. And number three, you need to check their calendar. Is there prayer time? Is there a fast day? Is there time in God's Word? Because my lifestyle, I'll get depressed when I get exhausted. Say amen to that. And you're in charge of your lifestyle. So, so fix it. So, so fix, your, fix your life. Do something with your kids. Somebody asked me about Halloween today. Pastor, do you believe in Halloween? Well... Let me answer it like Paul would answer in the New Testament. Uh, he said, to those that are spiritual, everything's spiritual. To those that are carnal, everything's carnal. In other words, anything I want to turn into spiritual, I can. Anything, I, anything that you want to make carnal, you can. I've just decided not to give the devil not one day out of my calendar. You listen to me. I'm not going to give him one day. But I am going to give Reese's Peanut Butter Cups a chance tonight to bless the man of God. I'm trying to teach my kids tithing. So they tithe 10% of their Reese's to me every Halloween. Uh, I just lost some of you on that. But anyway, do something with your kids. Turn your phone off. Look at, I heard somebody in my small group the other day. Did you catch that? I'm in a small group. You need to be in a small group. Somebody in my small group the other day said, I, I, uh, I set a screen time. Are you with me, everybody? You know what this is? You, you, you need to figure, I don't know uh, how to do it, but somebody else can t- show you. And, and you turn on screens and it tells you 
uh, either how long you've been on or you can set limits. Like, and it says, hey, dummy, you've been looking at me too long. You know what I mean? And, and he said, I was, I was uh, excusing, uh, the t- you know, I had set a limit, you know, five hours or two hours, or whatever, and I was excusing it away. Just turn it off. You're not that important. Delete the app. I'm preaching now. Just delete it. I'm fasting from social media. You don't have to tell anybody you're fasting. Take it off your phone. That's a fast. Just control what you can control. Are you there? Number two, life and balance. Number two is comparing ourselves with others. That has to do with that social media stuff. Comparing ourselves. Elijah, at the end of his prayer, goes into this, this place of depression. And he says, man, I'm no better than my ancestors. He starts comparing his life to his family members. you got to be careful about comparing. You cannot compare your race to somebody else's. Look into my eyes. You have a, a specific assignment. You need to be on your assignment. Complete your assignment. Run your race. Touch two people and say, run your race. Run your race. Run your race. It is not their race. It is your race. And listen to me. You'll exhaust yourself and wind up depressed and full of anxiety if you try to run their race. God equipped them for that assignment. God gave them those talents. God gave them those opportunities. God gave them that bandwidth. God did not give it to you. And you're neglecting your assignment because you're trying to fulfill their assignment. And you're not satisfied with either. I'm going to preach to you, amen. You've got to decide. I am not them. I, that's this, by the way, that's not them either. They filtered and curated a highlight reel for you to think that's them. That's not really them. Nobody posts pictures of a blowout diaper. Come on, somebody. No, Thomas, where are you at? Nobody posts pictures of a blowout diaper, that new beautiful little baby we dedicated back to God. Nobody posts pictures full of vomit all over there at 3 o'clock in the morning. Nobody does that. Everybody just, oh, the hashtag blessed. They're not, they're hashtag tired. <laughs> Stop comparing. You'll get, dep- you're adding to your own depression. Quit blaming chemistry. That's comparison. Amen. Number three, I'm, I'm not even preaching good, this is old stuff. Number three is ruminating and self-talk. Last week we said ruminating and self. Ruminating is like a cow who eats grass, vomits it back up, chews it again, swallows it again. That's called rumination. You do the same thing with your mind, with your thoughts. You have a thought, you swallow it, the thought's gone. You bring that thought back up and every time you bring it back up and chew on it, it gets worse. And then you start talking out loud. I, t- I taught you last week. I'll tell you again today. The devil does not know your thoughts. Quit thinking. He, he's, uh, the devil doesn't know what you think. He knows what you say. So he stands close by and listens to what comes out of your mouth. And when, when, when this comes out of your mouth, we're never going to make it. I don't like you. This isn't working. I don't know how we're going to make it. God is, God's not, not here. I'm going to lose my job. I'm worried about. I'm fearful of. I'm anxious about. I, when you do this, the devil goes, oh, yeah, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And then you'll start talking yourself into deeper depression. Are you with me, everybody? That's self-talk. That's where the devil's. Now, that's, that's old stuff. Let me give you three new. I've got to give you some new content. Number one, I'm just telling you how to get in the cave. And next week, I'm going to tell you how to get out. But I'm trying, to, I'm trying to give you the reasons why you found yourself where you found yourself. Here's the fourth one. I think this is the linchpin of the six. I think this is the one that matters the most. This is probably the fulcrum. It's our inability to process pain in a healthy way. I think we find ourselves in depression and anxiety because of our inability to process pain in a healthy way. Write it just like that. Life is hard. Say amen. 
Bible says it like this. It's the, the, the days are few and full of trouble for most for most it, they're just hard. It's just hard. Well, I'm saved. Okay. It's hard and you're saved. You know what I mean? It doesn't stop being hard because you're saved. You're just saved while it's hard. Are you with me, everybody? It's still hard. Life's hard. And everybody, shout everybody. Everybody, everybody medicates. Now, I'm going to mess with some of your theology. Because some of you hyper-Christians today feel like I'm better than. And then you fill in the blank because I don't medicate this way. The truth is we all feel pain and we all do something when we feel pain. And so you're, you're medicating in some way. I, I was reading the Washington Post, not Wikipedia, so y'all can trust this. The Washington Post said that just during the full quarantine of 2020, March, April, and May, when most of America was shut down in a full quarantine, just those three months, overdoses to alcohol and, and, and drugs Increased in March by 18%. 30 days later in April by 29%. 30 days later in May by 42%. That's just the first three months. We're 21 months into this. You don't think the devil had his hand? In getting you depressed and not being able to process your pain in a healthy way. And there are people in the room, for some people you think, well, I don't medicate like they. I don't do that. And I'll I'll deal with all of it. Are you ready? For some of us, it's drinking. For some of you would say, I'm not an alcoholic. But let me tell you something. If you have to have one every day, you're having too much. If you can't sleep without it, I'm going to talk. Oh, Jesus. I may not have a church. You'll get my resume ready, Brandy. There's a mommy wine culture that I'm, I'm taking a stand today against it. That you post online about mommy got her wine. Mommy needs her wine. If mommy needs it to go to bed every night, you don't need wine to deal with your kids. You need the Holy Ghost to deal with your kids. You need a spiritual touch. Everybody medicates. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just an overeater. Oh, I don't do that. I just eat the whole thing of Oreos at one time. Right? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. Oh, no, no, no. I'm healthy. I, we're, we're, oh, no, we don't. No, we don't eat carbs even. I don't even like bread. I don't, I don't do that. No, but you've watched six hours of Netflix at night. Because you're binge watching one right after the other. Television or Netflix or Hulu. One right after the other. Why? So that I can get into this so that I can escape the reality. And what happens is you're trying to medicate and deal with the pain. Instead of healthy medication, you're escaping using something else. Now I know you can look down your nose at everybody I just talked about alcohol and wine. But if you're doing it with video games, it's the same. The difference is you can't get drunk on a video game and kill somebody. But anyways... It's still the same. It's medicating in an unhealthy way. You ready, men? Men, bow those shoulders up. Get ready. I'm about to punch you right in the face. I read a study about depression in men. You know the number one, the number one sign of, a depre- of depression in men? Workaholic. Something you think is good. I'm giving more time to the office. Probably is an escape and a medication for pain at home. So we go in early and we leave late. 
And the sun's down when we go in and the sun's down when I come home. Why? So I don't have to deal with it. I'm just telling you unhealthy ways that we're medicating and dealing with our pain. And if you deal with it unhealthy, it, it's a vicious cycle of I work too much and it makes me depressed. But I work to not deal with my depression. And then I work too much and it makes me anxious. And then I work. Are you with me everybody? And I drink so that I don't have to think about. And then it gets me more depressed. And then I sit here and I watch eight hours of this eating Oreos. And it gets me depressed. And I feel terrible about myself. I'm telling y'all. this. I'm being honest with you. And I feel worse about myself. But I did it so that I could deal with the pain. And there's this cycle. This vicious cycle of dealing with our pain in an unhealthy way. And it furthers. Pushes us into the cave of depression and anxiety. So how do you deal with your pain in a healthy way? A Jewish a psychiatrist from Austria named Viktor Frankl. You need to read uh, Frankl's book. He, he wrote a best-selling book called Man's Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist that was a contemporary of Sigmund Freud. And Freud was writing and, and has written uh, uh, that uh, the, uh, Freudism at its core says that all of life is about pleasure that you'll do whatever it is you need to do to feel good. As a matter of fact, most of modern culture today, if you look at it, sort of subscribes to Freudism, which says, if it feels good, do it. If, if you like it, it's okay. It doesn't matter what biology says. It doesn't matter what God says. It's just, if you want to do it, you can do it. it and if it feels good, pleasure is the meaning of life. Viktor Frankl said, contemporary of Freud said just the opposite. He said, pleasure is not the meaning of life. It's meaning, its purpose is the meaning of life. And he said, when your life doesn't have any purpose or meaning, then you dull the pain with pleasure. That when you, when you, when you don't have purpose in your life and you don't live with meaning in your life, then you'll find something else, probably pleasure, that will help dull the pain. And after World War II, you can read this for yourself, after World War II, Viktor Frankl worked with a, a, a control group of Holocaust survivors, Jews who had survived the Holocaust in a concentration camp, and all of them self-identified as suicidal because of the, the atrocities they had lived through, what they had seen, the families they had lost. So here's this group of Jewish Holocaust survivors. This is all fact. Viktor Frankl is is working with them on a, on a theory he, he uh, ends, ends up calling a logo theory or a logo therapy, excuse me, where, where, he, where he does this group therapy and individual therapy with these, these Jews who are self-identified as suicidal. And it consisted of three things. You better, you better buckle up. This is not, it's not Bible. This is Viktor Frankl. This is science and psychiatry. He said, there's three things I want you to find and I think I can save you from this the first one, I didn't put it on the screen, but you could write it down. The first one is meaningful work, what he called meaningful work. In other words, I want you to do something in your life that matters. I've heard this somewhere. I want you to do something. This is Victor Frankl, the psychiatrist, famed psychiatrist, said, I can pull you out of the depression of the Holocaust if you can do something in your life that matters, meaningful work. The second thing he said you need is a community of friends who love you unconditionally. This sounds strangely familiar to other stuff I've heard. He says if you'll get around people who love you unconditionally and you have a community of friends, it'll, it'll pull you out. And then the last thing, he, this, I'm just, this is logo therapy. You research it for yourself today. The last thing is you can take whatever suffering you've experienced in the Holocaust and if you'll find the positive redemptive value in it, it'll pull you out of the depression. 
Now listen to me. He put all of the, this control group of Holocaust survivors through logotherapy, and not one of them committed suicide. Not one. Because, because they had work that mattered. Their lives made a difference. They had a small group, a community of friends who loved them unconditionally. And, and because they took their suffering that they experienced and they found what's positive in it. They said, God, you've brought me through this for a reason. But listen, it's amazing when science catches up to what God's already said. It's amazing when science finally agrees with, hey, there's something to this whole Bible thing. L- look at how Paul writes it in 2 Corinthians. He says, God comforts us in all of our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Did you catch all of that? God says, I give you peace and pull you out of the pain. I've given you hope. I've given you a future. I'm giving you joy. But it's not just for you because God never gives you anything that's just for you. I gave it to you so that you could meet somebody else who's dealing with the same darkness. And if you'll help them, it's amazing what will happen. What's this? For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, also our Comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for, listen to me, if I'm depressed, this is what your Bible says, if I'm anxious, it is for your comfort. Wait a minute. You mean God could redeem what I've walked through and help you? Yep. And there's the same cycle of sin and depression that says if I medicate the wrong way, I get deeper. Is the same way. God, I feel like preaching. I could jump on that chair, right? If God says, I wired you with the same exact cycle, that if you'll comfort somebody else, you start a comfort cycle in your life where you'll walk out of depression the same way the wrong medication would dive you deeper into depression. You can get out of it or you can get into it and you have to decide, what do I medicate with? You You gotta know, if we are comforted, It's for your comfort. If you've been set free from alcoholism, it's not just for you. It's for you to find some other brother who's struggling and go, if God can do it for me, God can do it for you. If you were on the verge of divorce and God healed your marriage, it's not just for you two. It's for you to find a young couple who just got married and say, let me help you and mentor you and I'll help you through when you feel like giving up. It's never just for you. Medicate God's way is there's purpose. Write this in your notes. There is purpose in my pain. That's God's medication. I know some of you think that I just talk about serving all the time because we need you. And look at my, uh, we need you. We need you today. We have set up today. We have take down today. Right when service is over with and y'all are going to Hungry Horse, there's going to be a lot of people here sweating. I'd love to have you. But I don't ask you to serve because we need it. Look at me. I ask you to serve because I know how God designed you. I know that if there's something you can find in your heart that gives back and makes a difference, if there's what Viktor Frankl called meaningful work, if there's purpose inside of you, it's amazing God hardwired you that you'll have your issues fixed when you fix others. Shout a big amen to that. Your problems get smaller. 
when you start focusing on others. God's way says there's purpose in this. God brought me through this. So we, di- we get in the cave. We deal with it because of unhealthy ways that we deal with our pain. Number six. I'm, I'm sorry, number five. got to hurry. Number five. Six ways to get in the, uh, in the cave. Number five uh, is isolation and loneliness. I talked about this a little bit last week, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. But Elijah, the Bible says in 1 Kings 19, Elijah leaves his servant at Beersheba and goes about a day's journey into the wilderness by himself. And we're in a culture, and I'm just going to go ahead and... (laughs) We're in a culture that's told you that people are the enemy. As a matter of fact, we're in a culture that's told you for, for a considerable amount of time now to social distance. I stood against this word 21 months ago, so this ain't new. You go back and watch the tape, all right? There are times because of public health when you may need to be physically distant from somebody. If you're coughing, don't get close to me. Don't sneeze on me. Are you with me, everybody? But the phrase social distance is from the devil. You were not designed by God to be distant from other people. You were designed by God to heal in community. And Elijah gets deeper in depression because the one thing God gave him to help him was a servant, a partner, a friend, a somebody. And he said, you stay here, I'm going to go by myself. And when you get by yourself, it always gets worse. And when you get isolated, it always gets worse. He did what so many of us do, and it's a trap. Listen to me. The first issue in the Bible, the very first problem that ever came into creation was not sin. The first Problem was not sin. The first problem the Bible said was solitude. Genesis 2. They didn't sin till Genesis 3. Genesis 2. The Lord God said, It is not good for you to be alone. The first problem, God looked on the earth and said, Ooh, that's going to be a problem. It was not the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it was alone, it was isolation. It was, I don't need church. Can I go a little bit further? And you don't think, I'm not telling you in the early days. I'm not telling you uh, uh, March, April, like when nobody knew what was going on. But we're 21 months removed from, we know everything we're ever going to know about this, by the way. Let me tell you something. You don't think remote learning has pushed our kids further into depression? Because they're at home in front of a screen by themselves? You don't think church online, and I'm grateful for it, and I'm glad we can come into your home, but you don't think that's pushed Christians further into isolation? You were not meant to be this way. We were meant to be together. Romans 12, 5 says, Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. And each of us needs each other. Look at your neighbor and say, You need me. You need me. You need me. Look at your other neighbor and say, I need you. I need you. Some of you, I'm trying to help your marriage. I need you. I need You need me and I need you. I can't do this without you. I cannot get by myself. When I get by myself, it, things get bad. Things get depressed. I get worse. It, it, it's not healthy for me to be alone. Look at me and it's not healthy for you to be alone. And if you are depressed today, look around. Go to lunch with somebody today. Find somebody. Schedule a dinner with somebody. If you're in a funk and you can't figure out why you can't, you and your wife can't get out of it, find another couple in church and go, I don't even know why. You don't have to talk about nothing. Just eat together and you'll get out of it. 
I promise you, so help me God. I promise you, God designed you so that people were the healing balm of God in your life. James 5 and 16 says, If anybody's sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray for them and they'll anoint them with oil, the prayer of faith to save the sick, the Lord, the way them up. They're committed to sin, it'll be forgiven them. Listen to me. And then he said, If there's any sick, if there's any hurting, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. <laughs> that you may be healed. Here's the last one. I think we skip over this one. This is not the science one. This is the one I got to tell you. This is one I got to tell you because if you'll, if, you'll, if you'll fix all the other lifestyle stuff and you don't address this one, then you could miss the biggest opportunity for progress in your life. And that's we get into, we get into the cave, we get into depression in spiritual warfare. It's number six, is spiritual warfare. We are not human beings that have occasional spiritual experiences in the presence of God. We are spiritual beings who were meant to consistently be in the presence of God and have human experiences. Your God is a triune God. The Bible says it like this in John, for God is spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. It, your spirit is what connects with God. You are a spirit who has a soul. Your soul is your will, your emotions, your, your mind. Your, and you live in a body. You, you are created in the same image of your God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Triune in manifestation, as are you. You're created the same exact way. And when you get saved, it's your spirit that's, that's redeemed, that's reconnected to God. But your soul and flesh, they got to catch up. <laughs> you got to keep them. And that's where spiritual warfare happens. If I told you tonight, that at your house, I want you to think this through. That I have intelligence that says tonight, Halloween night, there's somebody waiting to break in your home. As a matter of fact, he knows the gate code. He knows the garage code and he knows you leave the door unlocked in the garage. He knows where your two children sleep, what bedrooms they're in. He knows where you and your wife are. He knows what time you go to bed. He knows when the street lights go down. And tonight, he's coming to your house. He will break in your garage. He will slip into your children's bedroom. He'll duct tape their mouths, take them down the stairs, load them in a vehicle. Take your wife, duct tape her, duct tape her hands, and haul her away. What would you be willing to do to prevent the attack everything would you would you sleep at all tonight would you stay up all night long even some of you gun violence advocates some of y'all would be looking for a brother in cowboy boots talking about let me get a gun let me let me hold let me hold one of them guns right you'd find somebody today in a cowboy hat that drove an f-150 here because he got a shotgun in his truck i promise you <laughs> Your boy's got a Glock on him, okay? I'm not telling you where, but I'm, listen, I'm preacher, but I'm kind of hood too, all right? I will, I will pray for you and then pop a cap in you, all right? Don't come at me. Because my fam, now listen, 
There's no way you'd go to sleep on that. <laughs> First Peter says, be self-controlled and alert. Because your devil, there, there, there's an enemy. There's an enemy of your soul. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to, to, to devour. He knows your house. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your marriage. He knows your children. He knows your temptations. He knows where all the weak spots are. And he's looking for somebody to devour. And I'm telling you, you are in a spiritual war. And you got to resist him and stand firm in the faith. This is not the time for weak and anemic Christianity. This is the time for you to decide I'm in a spiritual battle and I got to do spiritual war. I, I got to pray. I got to fast. I got to do right. I got to get in God's word. I've got to work. I, my fear for you as your pastor is the devil's working harder to destroy you than you are to resist him. Did you catch that? My fear is that the devil is working harder to destroy your family than you are working to protect it. Don't let that be true. Don't let that be true. Just take your stand. Ephesians 6 and 11 says, put on. Put on the full armor of God. Put on that helmet of salvation. So it protects your mind. God, I feel like... Pre so it protects all, all those thoughts that come into your mind. You put on salvation there. Say, no, 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 devil, no. No, I'm, say, I'm covered in the blood. You don't understand. I didn't just... Church is not just part of me. It's all of, It covers all of me. Put on that breastplate of righteousness so it protects your heart and your emotions. I'm covered in the righteousness of Christ. My, my righteousness is like filthy rags, but I wear the righteousness of Christ. So God the Father, when He sees me me. He doesn't see all of my sin. He sees the blood of Jesus covering me and I'm, I'm righteous and I'm secure. He said, put on the shoes covered in peace so that every step I take into my home, there's peace. I'm not destroying people with my words. I'm not fighting and cussing and yelling and throwing. No, no, no. There's peace everywhere I walk together. I'm fighting something here. He said, put the belt of truth around your waist so when the devil starts lying to you and telling you what you're not, you say, no, no, no. I know what God says. I know the truth of God's word. And take in your hand the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You need to learn it. You need to memorize it. You need to put it in your heart. So when the devil comes against you and your family and your mind, you say, that's not what God says. And take up the shield of faith so you can withstand. Write it down like this. God has given us authority. We just have to use it. So about two years ago, it was a weekend night. Brandy and I were sitting on the couch downstairs. We put the kids in bed and um, we were downstairs and the TV was on. I don't think we were watching anything, just, you know what I mean. And um, she said, I've been, I hadn't felt good all day. She says, um, I feel, uh, it's, my chest hurts bad. And I, I've tried to like pretend it's not hurting, but it's bad. And now my left arm's hurting. 
and I feel like my chest is squeezing and I can't, I can't breathe. So we kind of get up, we, we walk around. Long story, several hours into the night, two or three o'clock in the morning, she says, I, I think I'm having a heart attack. Uh, my two kids are in bed. We don't have family close. So I, I said, do you want me to call an ambulance? She's not going to drive, but I got to get somewhere now. So she goes to the hospital, goes to the ER. <clears throat> they do um, EKG and all, all kinds of stuff. Her, her heart's healthier than mine. They're like, ma'am, you don't have cholesterol's fine. No, no, no blockages like that. Everything's. She said, well, what this feels like, I'm, I feels like a heart attack. It feels like I'm dying. The doctor said, that's, it's a classic sign of a panic attack. And sometimes it mimics a heart attack. She said, no, no, no. This wasn't a heart I thought I was dying. He said, oh, no. You will. We've dealt with it for a couple of years. A couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago. She had gone to bed. My kids were in bed. I can't sleep. I get up. I pray read my Bible I can't sleep, it's 11 it's 12, Saturday night it's 12, it's 1 it's 2, by 2 o'clock in the morning I had, it was so bad I couldn't stand, I was on the ground beside my bed and I shook Brandy and I said I can't breathe and I, I'm going to die I need you to call I think I'm going to die can't catch my breath, my, my chest, my arm. Go to the ER. You didn't know none of this. It was all night long. I came to church Sunday. <clears throat> Same thing. It's not your heart, sir. It's pain. Let me tell you something. I probably spent the better part of my adult life saying, just pull it together. Sometimes you can't just pull it together. Randy and I decided that next morning when I got dressed for church, I'd been up 48 hours. We just looked at each other and decided we will not, we may face this again, but we will not lose this battle. We're going to fight like hell fights. I'm going to fight with everything I've got for peace. I wish I could tell you it's over. It's not over. It's a spiritual battle. But I'm committed to winning. I could have stayed home. I could have called Auburn Creeds. There's a lot of things that could have happened. We just decided, okay, devil, I'm on to you. And you will not win. You won't attack my kids. You won't attack me. When I feel it coming, I've just decided this is a spiritual war. And I start suiting up for war. I'm going to put my pants on and get in God's house. I'm going to come here early and set up chairs. doesn't seem spiritual to you, but it's war to me. I'm going to crawl out of that cave with everything I've got. You're not crazy, but you got an enemy. I want you to step out of the cave today into the light. I want you to know there's hope today. There's healing for you today. You can make it. And we're here to help. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Our prayer team's come to the front. I told you, um, I told you last week, I think 
we need to get back to some altar calls. This is one of those altar calls. Now, you may not have grown up in a church with an altar call. Nothing weird happens. Nobody's going to do anything strange, but you've got to participate. At some point, you're just going to have to say, I'm tired of being tired. I'm done with this fighting. I'm done with this. I'm done with this darkness that's clouding my mind. I'm done. I'm, I'm, prophesying to somebody right now. I'm done with how it feels. I feel clouded. I feel foggy. You've said those words. I feel like I can't, I just can't find my way out. I I feel like I'm feeling through the dark. And in Jesus' name, today could be the day you walk out into the light. Now, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to be as bold as I probably ever ask you. Nobody's looking around. Our prayer team's in a posture of prayer right now. Our intercessors have been praying for you. I want you to pray in the Spirit. Matter of fact, I've never said this. I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. Some of you need to begin to pray in the Spirit. You're, You're baptized in the Spirit. You need to begin to pray in the Spirit. Now, if that's you, if you found yourself in the cave, I don't care how you got there. Could have been one of the six things we talked about. Could have been something else. If that's you, nobody's looking around, but be bold. And I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to stand up and tell the devil, today's the last day. Stand up. Stand up. There they are. God bless you. (laughs) Stand up. You don't have to go home in the same darkness. You don't have to go home in the same suicidal ideations you don't have to go home the same way you don't have to go home in the same cloud come on there's, there's, there's at least one more if it's you just stand up and say it's me I, don't, I, don't, I got here a lot of different ways it was my schedule it was comparison it was my stuff I see you but here I am and I need out now everybody in the room just extend your hands to heaven whether you're seated or standing just extend your hands to heaven as a sign of surrender Lord Jesus I'm asking you to save somebody's life today. I ask you to save somebody who's so depressed they don't know how to walk out, who's so confused. We can talk about how we got here, but we're here, and I want out today. I need healing today. I need deliverance today. So, God, I surrender it to you. Come on, say that. If you're standing, if you're seated, I surrender it to you. I give it to you. I give you my schedule. If it's, if it's my imbalance of my life, I give you this comparison that's eating me up. I give it to you. I give you my rumination and the self-talk of my life. I give you all those negativity, the things that come out of my heart. I give it to you, God. I give, it to, I give you my coping mechanism. I give it to you. Some of you need to walk away right now from the medication. I'm not talking about... For depression, I'm talking about I'm talking about alcohol, I'm talking about pills you're taking, I'm talking about food, I'm talking about television or social, whatever you're doing to, to self-medicate. Today needs to be the last day. You just need to say, I'm done with this. I cannot it's 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 driving me deeper into this cave, and I gotta get out today. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you. We're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. 
And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.